Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes for a group of Germans to play 1835 in their heads. This week is a special episode that doesn't follow our usual format. I'm here without my two co-hosts because I had the opportunity to interview Bjorn Rabenstein, designer of Rolling Stop. Help us, Ambi One Kenobi. You're our only host. In episode 20, I talked about Rolling Stock, a heavy economic card game inspired by 18xx. Today, I'm here with the designer of Rolling Stock, Bjorn Rabenstein. Hi! Hi! I'm happy to be here. <laughs> cool. Um, firstly, can you tell us about yourself and how you got into board games? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, th- I think I was kind of born into it because my, my parents were, in a way, into gaming. I mean, there weren't many, many, like modern style board games out there there was monopoly of course which is a horrible board game as you can all see on board game geek it's kind of the worst of all <laughs> but um my parents played like traditional card games they my my grand granddad taught me like chess mm-hmm. and then a f- school friend of mine uh, had uh, their p- parents had a games collection of with like real games diplomacy diplomacy existed acquire also existed back then and I mean, we had, we were just secretly trying out those board games and we kind of got addicted. And then of course, more and more interesting board games came out, like also some old ones, like Hare and Turtles, for example, was, was mm-hmm. pretty interesting. And that was the first German game of the year. And I still remember like my neighbors had that game. And then when they came over to babysit me and then we, I mean, I was probably old enough. My brothers were younger, right? But then we played that and so we, so we got into it and then, Okay, you try to get the game of the year. That was really something super special back then. And you play it. And then my brothers became old enough to play and my school friends. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. We just got the newer and newer games. And now there are so many great board games out there. You can you cannot even play them all. Do you still play with your family? I do. Like my parents play. I mean, they regularly play with their friends, like those mm-hmm. traditional card games, which I kind of play too much during school time and it's also pretty abstract i'm not so much into abstract games mm-hmm. uh but like i play uh, seven wonders we play seven wonders with my parents quite mm-hmm. regularly settlers of Catan, like the the light stuff in a way mm-hmm. but they're they're definitely into it just not like super complex super long stuff mm-hmm. so what type of games do you like playing oh i like i like almost anything <laughs> So I'm in a way I don't like abstract games too much. As said, mm-hmm. I, I like if games tell me a story, mm-hmm. which sometimes sometimes even abstract games tell you a story. But like obviously in historical simulation games uh, tells me a story. I'm not so much into pure war games that just simulate, let's say, a single combat or something. If it's like the big picture where you get into where you kind of can feel how history evolves and how even if a war is happening in the game, other aspects play into it. Uh, like I'm a great fan of Here I Stand and Virgin Queen. Like these are probably the games I spend most time with uh, uh, in my life on the table at the table. Um, there is um, like like deep broad brush uh, goes through the whole history of humanity games. Like uh, um, Seven Ages is a game that if you play it from beginning to end takes like. 35 hours Um, I mean I go to sleep in between but we do those (laughs) things as well but yeah I also like shorter lighter games but this is kind of where all my I don't know secret wishes get fulfilled if I if I play epic games that touch everything 
Wow. Yeah, I haven't played any of those games. But but you also play 18xx games, right? Yes. And, I mean, 18xx, I, I think they are like true art because they, they can satisfy you in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I know players who are very much into abstract games. Uh, like uh, one of our players in, in Berlin is a very good Go player and he loves 18xx uh, for like, not because you, you like have trains and, and choo-choo-choo and whatever, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. it's really, it's because it's interesting on an abstract level while others really like, I mean, I guess I tend towards those players who like the story that you're building up a company and you're trading real shares. I mean, not real shares, but it feels like it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the, um, it can satisfy on many, many different levels. And for me, that's like what art is about, that it has more than one, one layer and one dimension in a way. Uh, that like, I'm really a great fan of this whole genre of games. Yeah, I also like the theme in games and when a game can tell a story. Some of my favorite games are um, like thematic strategic games. Like that's why I like 18xx games because I think they can be really thematic and they can tell a story and they're always epic at the end. You're always like talking about what happened at the end of the game. It's also like the fact that there's no random element in the game and Mm -hmm. they still develop this kind of simulation aspect. It's, It's very intriguing. Yeah. And even though there's no random element, each game is different because of player choices. So speaking of 18xx games, I've heard that there's a group of Germans that plays 1835 in the car on road trips, like blind chess, and it's played in 30 minutes. Um, yeah. Um, is this... Okay. How true is this? Uh, I think there were, is a whole lot of rumors conflated here, um, which, of course, I might have been the source of some of those rumors. Um, so the one thing is this playing blind, like the, the group of players uh, that taught me 1830 back then in the 80s, uh, that was... Um, they played... I mean, there weren't that many other games and definitely not so many other 18xx variants mm-hmm. there was essentially 29 and then 30 and 29 is like uh like using a term from like software technologies like a first system and 1830 is the second system that kind of worked way better and they were just into 1830 they played this so much even before i even knew the game but then they told me they happened to be on a road trip and uh they, they realized they have played it so often, they can like, just do the opening moves in their head and tell them the tiles and the share prices they open. And then they played, arguably or uh, presumably, <laughs> uh, they played into the green phase and then reached a point where they couldn't agree on some money that some corporation has and then they stopped it. But that was just like, yeah, I guess, a, a fun attempt to play 1830 blind like chess. Uh, The other thing is the playing time. So we Germans (laughs) have this weird moderator uh, program, Balemi, also like in the Stone Age of computing as a DOS program. It actually has an English language module, but it's still like it's super difficult to get into. Mm -hmm. Also, the user interface is, of course, it's just a DOS program, right? But it's it's very uh, it's it's it has a high usability in the narrow sense that once you know it properly, it's super efficient. Uh, and this moderator, um, I mean, it supports the older games perfectly, but for the newer games, you really have to 
improvise because there's no source code and nobody maintains that program anymore. I think Lemmy is like totally not playing games or not playing 18xx anymore. So you can configure it pretty widely for other variants, but then some mechanisms are just not represented. It simulates everything but the board proper, like the tiles mm -hmm. are, are still, you still have to use the tiles and the board game. So the fun part of board gaming, the, the tokens, but chairs, trains, money, it's all kind of in the computer. Uh, and that um, makes the game much faster. It also has this intelligent chess clock, uh, like you cannot use a normal chess clock for 18xx because players just have different uh, things to do like if you have many presidencies you have more stuff to do and this program gives you time if you if it's your turn with a major company you get a bit of time if it's your turn with a minor company you give less time and for every share round you get time and then you have like a realistic amount of time which you can also scale you can like play real blitz games like blitz chess which mm -hmm. uh, fits your uh, podcast title <laughs> and then even people who usually do analysis paralysis or never think about their move uh, before it's their turn they they get educate, educated they they get trained in playing this uh, properly and these two things together allow you to play really fast even with players who don't usually have the discipline to do so and that's when you really scale this down and you play in blitz mode and then you even scale this down even more than you could like play a game of 1835 in like let's say 80 minutes or 70 minutes but not 30 minutes that, that <laughs> must have been a rumor yeah but that's still pretty good that seems like a really cool tool for people who would have analysis paralysis because that's a big a big barrier to entry in 18xx is people there's so much to think about right so the games always take so long, but it's a shame that the tool is not updated. And it's not very accessible. <laughs> yeah. Like you basically have to, somebody has to teach you to use the program. Mm -hmm. And also like with so many interesting new variants, like somebody, somebody, often somebody tries to just reprogram the whole thing. And there are a number of 18xx like moderator programs. They are just not that optimized to play this. I have still the board on the, on the table and it plays like a board game. I have just this like computer aided uh, thing in there that still keeps the flavor of a board game, but it uh, also speeds up the game. So uh, I guess somebody, somebody has a lot of time could do this for the modern variants. Who knows? Yeah. So speaking of um, computer assisted apps for board games, the reason we met is because my husband made an online version of Rolling Stock which is the game you designed. So um, what made you want to design Rolling Stock? That's, that's a really good question. It's like higher beings um, ordered that I design it or something, right? Because I, to I told you so much about the games I like. Mm -hmm. and, and if you look at this, this is all not Rolling Stock, right? I mean, <laughs> Rolling Stock is fairly abstract. Like it has a theme, but it's like wafer thin it is, uh, it, it doesn't have, it has random components, like it doesn't have this purity of no random components like an like 18xx. You don't build tracks, it's like not super, you don't get this feeling you're building like epic large companies that like cross continents with their railroad or stuff. It's also not like historical, like the storytelling aspect is really a bit weak. So in a way, I mean, I guess I made, I designed Rolling Stock, but it's not a game that, that like I would pick as my favorite game in a way. 
but it was really something like I had ideas about it uh, that that told me this is pretty like there are many aspects that are not there in any other game like mm -hmm. original and it's also it's it's a very pure game right I mean I always proud myself that the the like concise rules fits on one sheet of paper like printed both sided and <laughs> not a super small font but like a normal whatever smallish font but it's like it, it fits on there it's not easy to read but this is like the canonical rules and they never had a mistake right i mean there's mm -hmm. i also uh, pride myself that there's no faq for rolling stock because the rules just don't uh, there, there are no questions open mm -hmm. right after you read the rules there are no misunderstandings people all play it right and um it's but that's not i mean of course i think i'm also quite good in writing rules but um it's also because the game is so pure in a way and i i had this idea in my head of course it needed a lot of tweaks and tuning and everything but there were a few ideas that made this game and and it's, it has kind of some some kind of beauty in a way and that also means it's not designed to be a game that many people would like or that is very pleasant to play it's more like it's it's um it, it's on a different level where it's just uh interesting as a study how to use very few elements to get a game that that works it's quite challenging mm -hmm. and also arguably it it simulates a share trading uh, market in a more realistic way than a normal 18xx game which is also kind of intriguing yeah yeah that's what i like about rolling stock uh that the stock market's really real realistic because when you're buying shares you're buying it at the future price and when you're selling shares you're selling it at the future price of what the company will be worth instead of what it was worth and then it goes down but you're selling it and then it goes down before you sell it which is more like real life because when you're selling a stock it goes that's what the the market price becomes yeah there's also this aspect of uh what happens if you withhold or pay dividends and i just took for granted that if you pay dividends the shareholders like it and your share price goes up for some magic reason right mm -hmm. and i took it for granted when i learned the game but then I tried to teach it to a real economist and he looked at me when I said, okay, now you pay out dividends and your share price goes up. And he said, what? But the share price should go down then. And I said, <laughs> but why? Because I had no clue how the share market works. And then he, he tried to explain it to me and at some point I understood. And then I, I really looked up in the newspaper. Okay, share X, they paid a dividend of 10 mm -hmm. cents. And at the same time, the share price dropped by 10 cents. Of course, it makes sense. Like it just has like, spit out 10 cents of its value essentially and and i wanted to simulate that in the game as well and that's mm -hmm. why you get this uh um kind of for 18xx player counterintuitive thing if you pay a lot of dividends your share price drops mm -hmm. but not directly because you paid but because your book value dropped and it's all in the game and and it's all simulated with really really easy mechanisms um and and it still works as a game right in mm -hmm. 18xx i mean there are reasons why it's done that way there might also be some like real like simulation reasons but it's mostly the reason is that it works as a game <laughs> while in rolling stock it is both realistic and works as a game yeah so you mentioned something before about rolling stock being a brutal game not for everyone do you think it's too brutal to be a mainstream popular game it's definitely not made to be a popular <laughs> game like it's kind of i also like teach it to people who have never played 18xx but mostly the player who are interested are also like 18xx type players mm -hmm. but then there are a whole lot of 
18xx players who don't like rolling stock because you don't build track mm -hmm. I mean many other aspects aren't there it's what I said about 18xx that it has so many different ways to appeal uh, that's definitely not the case in in rolling stock and then there is this aspect which is kind of shares with 18xx but it's it's way worse in a way that is so unforgiving right mm -hmm. you you essentially every mistake you you make will will uh, hurt you throughout the game it's really hard to catch up again and these are all things where i would agree with most of the players that a game that is really fun should have ways to get back into the game it should be in a bit forgiving so that 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 why that the possibility exists but of course you should also uh, your decision should, should should still matter like if if every game gives you some balancing so you you make a mistake but then it doesn't matter that would also be not mm -hmm. fun but um it's just like it's, it's really really tough to to uh, recover from mistakes like too tough in a way uh, but that's also because why it's so pure and simple that there mm -hmm. are no elements in the game to give you that once all the player who play in the game know the game really well, it gets better and better, right? Mm -hmm. And this is kind of, especially in this world where you have so many good games, you cannot just specialize in all those games. So it's it's really uh, a tough call to tell people, okay, first you have to learn this game properly. I mean, it has very simple rules, but then you have to play a dozen of times to get really into it and understand it. And then it becomes really fun to play. <laughs> it's, it's a bit weird, right? Uh, there's also another aspect, uh, which is, I think it's a very fundamental thing if you like analyze games theoretically. Many, many games have this mechanism where you, you score something in the game that allows you to act better or more in the game. Mm -hmm. And you have a final victory point counting. I mean, I think the proverbial example is uh, St. Petersburg where you have uh, money, that is the driving force of the game, and you have victory points. And of course, in the end, like, mm -hmm. 10 or 5 rubles or something are victory point, but uh, that's like ridiculous, right? The most victory points are made by, by certain things in the game. And you first you need to gain money to get enough momentum to convert this into victory points. And so you have this aspect where whoever is active in the game is not necessarily the player who wins in the end because you have to convert your momentum into into, into victory points. And that's that's that makes it really interesting. Well, uh, 18xx games and Rolling Stock, they have this aspect that the driving force is money and the final count is money, right? Mm -hmm. So you already act with your victory points. So once you are active in the game, it probably also means you will win the game. And if you are about to lose the game, it's also boring because you can't do that much, which is makes the, those games so tough and like unwelcoming. And yeah, I guess it's something it shares with 18xx, and it's certainly something I wouldn't like. Think it's a good thing, but um, as as said, this was just—it's a study in creating a very pure and, in a way, then brutal game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that's the way it has to be. <laughs> yeah, but there are still a lot of people who really like it. Um, so back in January, I mentioned that my husband Toby uh, made an online version of Rolling Stock. And since then, there have been almost 100 played games, plus a bunch more solitaire and two-player ones. So did you know that there were that many? Yes, yes, I'm following <laughs> yeah. that. Like at the moment, I'm so busy with other stuff that I'm, I'm not 
uh, able to like play myself. Mm -hmm. But since Rolling Stock is so much number crunching, it's really, it helps a lot to play it online and it mm -hmm. speeds the game up enormously. Um, ironically, probably because I work in computing all day, I really enjoy playing games without the computer. And yeah. if it's like a mix-in, like an 18xx game with the moderator, I really like this blended aspect. But in, in Rolling Stock, there is nothing you would have on a board once you have the computer version, mm -hmm. right? So you play online Rolling Stock just in the browser and there you would there's no physical component you would still like to put on the board while you play this, <laughs> which is kind of sad in a way. But on the other hand, it plays really well in this online version and it allows you to try out things and it doesn't cost you like four hours of your life or five. Mm -hmm. uh, you can just play a quick game in like, what, whatever, like two hours. I don't know how fast uh, people can play with the online version. And then if you lose, it's not that bad because it didn't take so long and next time you mm -hmm. try something better. So it's definitely, it's a good thing for the game to have this online version. And I'm really, really curious if like, completely new strategies will evolve. Of course, as a designer, I would like that there are many very different strategies that are like comparably good mm -hmm. and people try them out and it's not like just one dominant strategy. So far, I think it looks quite good. Uh, that was what I was a bit afraid of if like people really go there and like do this or even like train neural networks of playing to play the game, which is all possible now, and then find out it's just easy. You just do this and this and that, and there's <laughs> no other move that, that would be better than this one. And then the game is solved in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's because it has a random aspect with the order of companies. You cannot really solve it like you could solve chess or 1830. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just hope it will like stand the test of time and there will still be many different interesting strategies to to try to win the game yeah there's been a rumored rolling stock version two can you tell us about that oh yeah of course <laughs> um so that's uh, the naming is really tough here um so i after we've talked about all this uh unforgivingness of the mm -hmm. game and how like difficult it is to approach I always thought about can I can I make can I change this aspect? I mean, not necessarily with the intention of making a better game, mm -hmm. making a more accessible game, essentially without fundamentally changing the character of the game. Like, it should still be this pure game that has a few principles connected with each other in a nice way. And uh, I think I came up with something that works. <laughs> um, it's not. It's it has surprisingly few changes uh, in the game but it changes the game a lot, right? I mean, the, the, the rule, the concise rules are also already out there on the internet. I guess you can post the link then in the oh, podcast. Okay. Uh, and I, I mean, I saw what I have to change is was essentially like 10% of this two page or one sheet rules, rules had to be changed. But the game changes a lot and I wouldn't say it's an improved version. It's really just uh, a different version for a different preference of game. Mm -hmm. It has um, a bit more theme because corporations now have, I call that superpowers, but you should probably just call it like special abilities. So every corporation now has a theme if you want. 
uh, like one corporation doesn't pay as much cost of ownership, another corporation gets a bonus on synergies and stuff like that, that makes a more interesting one to pick. But also, of course, it isn't this, like it, it removes a bit purity from the game because mm-hmm. you get like more elements. Uh, but that also makes a share like the, the to have cooperation becomes way more interesting. So share trading is kind of uh, more of a no brainer in the uh, original edition. It's uh, super hard in a way to to get proper public companies or corporations, as we call them, there up and running. And and share trading that actually makes you money is really hard, which some mm-hmm. people think it's a good thing, but again, it's very non-accessible. So that's all a bit easier. So uh, it's just an example now to say that that I guess hardcore fans of the original game will think this is a this is worse a worse game than before. I would always say it's a different game, and now how would we even like what's the name of that game uh, sometimes i thought it should be a completely different name but that would like cover up that like 90 percent of the rules are the same then uh, I, there was a there's a joke call it family version but of course it's not a family game even if it's more accessible and in the end we kind of settled on like second edition and um this still implies it's an improved version which i mm-hmm. don't quite like but I guess there are many games out there where, where people like uh, like specific versions. Let's say the Civilization computer game franchise, where like I know so many people say Civ Four is the best of all, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like just in the middle of one, two, six, and that would be fine if people tell me, yeah, Rolling Stock One is the <laughs> one I prefer, and Rolling Stock Two or Second Edition is the one that other person prefers. Uh, that would be good enough. So this is what we settled with with uh, Second Edition. Yeah, so it's more like a sequel not a remake or anything right yeah i don't know if any <laughs> of these words like yeah. <laughs> really nail it it's, i think it's quite comparable to although it's like even in this computer games the, they probably yeah. tried to sell it as an improved version like more modern version but yeah. it's really more like it's it's a different variation of this this basic idea do you have any more examples of differences that you want to talk about yeah so we can i can I could just enumerate all the differences essentially <laughs> because there are not so many, uh, but perhaps I should more focus on the effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many things in the in the original game, let's just call it first edition for now, <laughs> where you, you just do something that seems obvious to you and it's like a horrible mistake and kicks you out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second edition, there are, I think, there are the options, they are very similar, the options, the amount of options is very similar, but I think uh, they, they cannot be that devastating perhaps they still like make it quite hard to win but you're not completely kicked out of the game it's like not super boring anymore like in 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 um in the first edition if you buy a share you should not have bought it might just be in your portfolio forever and Mm -hmm. and uh fix all your cash flow yeah like it's all uh fixed in this one share you shouldn't have bought in the first place well, shares cannot be that bad in the in the second edition. Like they're always good enough, you could buy them, and it's um, an expert will probably say, yeah, then people just buy shares in doubt. And um, yeah, by the way, a reason uh, uh, for it. This is a reason for a change in the game. There are just fewer shares. Like in the original game, every corporation has ten shares max, mm-hmm. and you often don't even reach those ten shares. It's just it's meant there should be no limit, right? The original edition is all. It's all pure. There are no limits, and you should always be able to do what you want. In the second edition, there are fewer corporations, only 
eight instead of 10, and they have uh, fewer shares. There. Some have four, like two have four, two have five, two have six, two have seven shares. And the one with the more shares have weaker special abilities. Oh, so okay. you get kind of this balancing and you have this, this choice of do I found this super nice corporation with the super nice ability, but I have only four shares. I cannot issue more shares later. So it's kind of a short-lived thing. It all gives it more color and more flavor, less purity again, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, it also limits the total number of shares available. So even if shares are super good, at some point you cannot just issue more shares, you have to do something. And that's another thing that is really just a slight change. So the uh, progression of income for the private companies in the first edition, it was essentially always going up, up and to the right, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it is always a very good uh, option to buy the next available private company. And it's like, it's like this tech progression, which has a lot of pressure. And in the second edition, this, the, the relative amount you, you earn from a private company is degrading. So they're they are kind of getting worse and you don't really want to buy them if you have good shares, but then the shares might run out, right? So it's, it's, uh, the whole game is kind of turned on, uh, on its head, although I just changed a few parameters, right? The income curve is like not as steep for the private companies while the shares are much better, just tweaking a few parameters and then, then everything is, is different all of a sudden. So it's also pretty interesting as, as a study and uh, like buying the the penalties of cost of ownership are now in relative terms are worse than before so now you have an incentive to just buy the next private company to ruin the nice corporations of your competitors which is more like an 18xx feeling where sometimes yeah. you buy that four train you don't really want just so you scrap all the two trains of, of your competitors uh, so that's that is, is, is essentially a bit more a bit closer to the 18xx heritage well, on the other hand, yeah, you have those shares that are super good, but then it also gets more interesting to have like cross-player uh, shareholdings. Uh, like a very typical thing in the first edition is uh, players start their corporations, but you you don't dare to buy shares of other players. While in the second edition, it's very common you you somebody starts the first corporation, and immediately the next player buys the other share of that corporation because it's probably a very good one. It's also very, it becomes more interesting when you are able to start that corporation. So many, many things uh, change quite fundamentally. I think it's all still interesting, interesting in different ways. I think it's more forgiving in a way that you, you rarely see people crashing completely. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's more natural that the players stay close to each other, which again, some other players might say this is like, uh, punishing good play because uh, it's it's like harder to play better, much better than others. Uh -huh. But yeah, like some, you cannot please everybody. Yeah, so it's just different audiences. Do you have a preference over which version you like better? Um, no, <laughs> I mean I'm I I like both in their own kind um, now. But of course, I know the game quite well, mm -hmm. and and I think. If you know the first edition well, it gets a better game. It's probably the sa still the same tendency with the second edition, but it's easier to get into. Like if I teach the game to new players, I just realized that with the second edition, like players who are not like hardcore 18x Express are still kind of shocked, but they are shocked way less than with mm -hmm. the first edition. So that, that kind of worked out. 
And yeah, I mean, it's, it's soft anyway. There's also like one um, subtle change, uh, which also changes everything, of course. In the, in the first edition, you cannot sell the last share mm -hmm. that is in player's hands, which is kind of uh, simulates what you have in 18xx games where like if you are the last player who has enough shares for the presidency, you will be the president. You cannot get rid of it. Uh, this is gone. You can just sell the last share and the corporation goes into receivership, which would be totally crazy to do in the first edition because that is what everybody would do immediately to buy the next nice uh, <laughs> yeah. private company. But now the private companies are not that nice anymore. And it's a real decision if you sell this last share. So there are successful strategies to send corporations in receivership all the time. There are also successful strategies to not do this or even to buy shares of corporations in receivership to make use of them which makes it also easier that the presidency changes because like if i sell my president shares the last share somebody else just buys it it's different from the original game where somebody first has to buy it and then only i can sell it uh, it's also like a subtle difference but it, it creates even a bit more dynamic but again the hardcore players will say this is so soft if i screw <laughs> up i just sell all the shares and but then you're back in the game, which many players will, will like. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Do you, do you have a timeline for when version 2 will be available? My, my dearest wish for, for your husband is to implement <laughs> the uh, second edition as soon as possible in the online version, because that means you get loads of plays, right? I mean, now I have test plays. I have also like sent out the game set to build it yourself mm -hmm. uh, to select the test players. I've not published it uh, for wide publication, first of all, because it's not really done. Mm -hmm. uh, on, on the other hand, uh, Scott Peterson, like all the board games, the person behind all the board games, he plans to do like a more professional version with a higher print run and our market studies, if that is the right word for like a game like this, niche of a niche. Uh, it, it's, it, we, we found out that is it's, it's indeed cutting into your sales numbers if you have the the kit also um, available. So we, we want to try to have a really appealing printed version uh, that, that then is the kind of canonical version to buy the game physically. Mm -hmm. But we also want the online version so people can play online. And ideally, we have that before we do the printed version because should we find out their spoiler strategies in the game that mm -hmm. that should not be there we will find out before it's printed and with the online version you get like many games from like experienced players can play this they can play it really fast and if there is some like broke strategy hidden in the game we will most likely find it there and if you just play with the test version with a few test players that's why more difficult so we can blame toby if it takes a long time to get version two. Yeah, but it's also like, <laughs> since this game should be a more, like it should have a more appealing graphics design and all those things that what people nowadays want. There was also a pretty consistent feedback from players that the mm -hmm. both the like uh, print and play version as well as the all aboard version, is it's like, it looks prototypey, right? There's mm -hmm. no, not much graphics in the game, not much art and, and Apparently, this is important for many players, right? They want also a game that looks nice. So yeah. if, if that's something that that gets that we get out of this and, and we, we should give all about game the time to, to do like the nicer design, uh, that will be a great outcome, but it takes time. Yeah, I really like games that look nice on a table. 
Have you thought about designing any non-rolling stock games? Uh, I guess like everybody who ever thought about game design has like loads of ideas somewhere on the table. Like I have so many little ideas and starts and whatever, like also completely different game, like more like those epic games. I, I would mm -hmm. like, I usually prefer that that simulate a story or history even. Uh, sure. But this was the only design that I really like developed to a playable uh, state. Uh, I also have like a few ideas where you could use mechanisms from Rolling Stock into a like more beefy economic simulation game or something, right? I mean, I sometimes originally you can read this in the designer's note for the first edition that originally this whole Rolling Stock idea was essentially, can I take a normal 18xx game and just replace the share trading part by this new system in a mm -hmm. way? And then when that didn't really work out, I just created a standalone game that does, has only share trading, essentially. <laughs> um, but it, it, I mean, it could be possible that you combine those elements. I had also mm -hmm. some ideas, more like the science fiction realm or something, where you, where you would use like mechanism from the share market in a game that is not just a share market game. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I will have a, enough time to develop that uh, into something in the near future. There are just mm -hmm. too many other hobbies and jobs and whatever things I do in my life. But yeah, like if there's a Rolling Stock second edition and it works out nice, um, that, that would, be, would be quite an accomplishment, I guess. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the second edition. We're going to get to play that with you right i have the prototype here yeah. <laughs> sweet <laughs> so th thanks for taking the time to talk to me for this interview i'll put in the show notes links to things that were discussed like the rules for version two i'm really looking forward to playing version two with you to our listeners bjorn's actually staying at my house so i'm gonna be playing games with him this weekend yeah i guess i will not find any sleep we will just play all time <laughs> yeah and that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. To support our show financially for as little as $1 a month, visit Patreon.com slash BoardGameBlitz. Our patrons get a lot of cool benefits, including access to our private Slack channel, where you can chat with us directly anytime. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Check out the other shows in the network by visiting DiceTowerNetwork.com. Have suggestions for the show or just want to say hi? Shoot us an email at boardgameblitz at gmail.com. Until next time, we roll in, roll in, roll in. All these ducks we hold in. Keep them train cars rolling. Blitz ride. Bye, everyone. <laughs>